So, you've probably heard of Fifty Shades of Grey. Do you trust me? Hold out your wrists. The movie recently put BDSM on the big screen. However, for some people, BDSM doesn't just bring up thoughts of a cringe-worthy, porn-esque film. For people all over the country and the world, and for Sarah, it's a lifestyle. So, I'm Sarah. I'm a student here at IU. I've been in the BDSM community for about probably four years now. I asked Sarah to give me the synopsis of BDSM. BDSM is an acronym for bondage and discipline, dominance and submission, and sadomasochism. There are three pillars of BDSM, and that's safe, sane, and consensual. If you're missing any of those three pillars, it's bad news. Bondage is obviously like rope, cuffs. Discipline is more like rules. And then dominance and submission, that's where you have power exchange. So that's where it's, you know, one person can play the top, the other person is the bottom role. And then sadism is when a person derives some kind of enjoyment or pleasure from giving pain. And masochism is when someone derives enjoyment or pleasure from receiving pain. Not all people in BDSM like pain. Not all people in BDSM like bondage or discipline. And not all people in BDSM even like sex. So BDSM is not defined by any one element there's no one-size-fits-all. Sarah had a pretty innocent start to BDSM. I started off, I had a very long-term boyfriend my freshman year, and we were kind of like, hey, you know, let's try some different things. I might be interested in it. So we tried, like, just some, like, you know, beginner's kink stuff, like the furry handcuffs and a blindfold and stuff like that, and we ended up really liking it. So after we broke up, I decided like, hey, this is something that I want to, you know, get more experience in. So I first decided to seek a dominant because I, as far as BDSM goes, I'm a submissive. But it didn't go well. She didn't really know herself and her newfound identity as a submissive. I didn't know what my needs were. I didn't know what my boundaries were, or what kind of dominant I needed. And so it it was just awful. Um, We were so not compatible, and that was just a train wreck. And so after that, I was like, okay, back to square one. I'm going to get a mentor. In this community, it's common to seek a mentor, someone who shows you the ropes, pun intended. Sarah found a mentor on FetLife, a forum-based, Facebook-style website for kink lovers. She realized she had a lot to learn. The first step was terminology. There was so much terminology that I didn't understand. There are so many names for roles. And what is pony play? Like, <laughs> well, I don't understand what any of this is. And what so, is pony play? That's where people dress up like ponies. Oh, like My Little Pony? Like that? that? They can be bronies, yeah, but they have... It's, it's really, really in-depth. They have, like, very fancy crafted hoof things that go on your hands and like lead ropes and stuff. Not my kink, not my kink at all, but uh, that was one thing that just blew my mind when I was first getting into BDSM. Sarah was mentored for six months before seeking out another dominant. She's been in three BDSM relationships since she first joined the community, 
including the one she's in now. For Sarah, the BDSM relationship is distinct of a vanilla or traditional relationship. I'm not in a vanilla relationship. I do have a dominant who, he is in a polyamorous marriage. And, like, his wife is great. She's awesome. Um, she knows about me. I know about her. It's all very honest and transparent. But he's not my boyfriend. Like, he's my dominant. Yeah, we care about each other and stuff, and we engage sexually with one another. Neither of us are exclusive. So, like, he'll, he'll, like, I'm like, you know, you can play with other girls or whatever. Like, that's cool. But, like, you need to let me know. Um, the way I look at it is, like, if my partner has a sexual need that I cannot or am not willing to fulfill, um, because I love this person and I want them to be happy, I'm willing to, I guess, in a, in a way, outsource it because I separate sex from uh, from love like you can have a one night stand that is purely physical and that's going to be way different from a sexual encounter with someone that you deeply love and care for Mm -hmm. i had a lot of insecurities i was very jealous and distrustful and so relationships tended to be just miserable like even if the person gave me no reason to distrust them I was just like, let me see your phone, and I want your password to your Facebook. I was, like, crazy controlling, and it was not healthy for me or the other person. And so by joining the BDSM community and being mentored and learning about myself and confronting my fears and insecurities and understanding them, it put me in a much better position to be in relationships and be more accepting of other people because it's really like you can't love somebody else until you love yourself. It's also hard to accept other people if you can't accept yourself. One thing that was really difficult for me was accepting the type of submissive that I am. The type of submissive that I am is is called a little. And that's really the best way that I can describe it is it's a very childlike submissive. Um, And so it's like, oh, like yeah, I like BDSM and, like, impact play and stuff like that, but I also like cats and stuffed animals and just, like, being very childlike, like, watching Adventure Time and eating PB&J sandwiches. Like, that's just my happy zone. Um, and then I notice, like, you have stuffed animals. <laughs> yeah, this one's this one was, like, 35 bucks. This is Mr. Noodles. Yeah, I like cats a lot. This is one that my dominant actually got me. He hid it in his pocket, and uh, we were snuggling, and he's like, you squeeze in, it meows. <laughs> he hid it in his pocket and squeezed it, so it meowed. And I got so excited, I like literally started crying. I was so excited because like I knew that there was something cat-related in his pocket, and it was for me. I'm a crazy cat lady. You can't tell. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so... There, there are little signs here and there. I have juice boxes and cat stuffed animals everywhere. Even within BDSM, it took time for Sarah to learn to accept others' kinks and pleasures, especially with individuals who have more rare kinks, such as those who are into diaper play, which Sarah describes as a more extreme version of her own kink. So, like, I'm a childlike submissive. There are people who enjoy, like, infantilism, um, where they drink out of sippy cups, eat off of, like, Dora the Explorer plates, and wear diapers and stuff like that. And it's important to understand, like, there are so many reasons that somebody might be into that. 
because if you think about it, a huge part of BDSM is, at least from the submissive standpoint, is surrendering control to someone. And if you really think about it, babies literally have no control, like as far as like no control as it gets. So to that person, that could be the best way for them to completely surrender control to their top or their dominant. I have no obligation to understand. And that's the beauty of it. I don't have to understand, but I don't have a right to put them down for it. Do most people in your life know that you're involved in BDSM? Yes. Um, I am fortunate enough to have very kink-friendly friends. And my mom and my brother and sister know as well that I'm into kink. I do know a lot of people who definitely can't tell other people. Um, People who would probably be disowned by their parents Mm -hmm. if their parents knew. How did you tell your mom? Like, I, (laughs) I, I was just wondering that when you said that because it's like, I just can't imagine. Okay, I think it's important to note that me and my mom have like, a very unusually close and open relationship. I think I just told her about, uh, I don't know, my cuffs maybe or something, or or that I joined the BDSM community and her initial reaction is like, oh my God. And then I would say like, you know, I'm going to a play party and she's like, oh my God, what's a play party? <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, you know, it's just where BDSM people get together. We all bring food and we hang out and do kink scenes. So it was, like, shock and, like, disgust, followed by overwhelming curiosity. I also tend to think it's really funny to make people uncomfortable, just because some people are just, like, uh... And I don't think that that's something people should be uncomfortable about. I don't think people should be uncomfortable talking about, you know, like, any any type of stuff that goes on between two people. I think sex should be an easy subject to talk about. Um, the fact that some people still consider it to be really taboo, I think, feeds into, you know, why people don't talk about rape or sexual assault. And so I'm pretty open about kink, and it makes some people uncomfortable, but, like, I don't really care. This is what I call my kink closet. Um, so, I'm just guess I'll start from left to right. This is a Wartenberg pinwheel. It's really just a pinwheel on a stick. It looks sharp, but like if you give me your arm, it's not. Like it just—it's oh, no. it's like a tickling. It like tickles. <laughs> yeah, it's like a tickling. So this is what is used a lot for sensation play. You can pretty much use it anywhere. You, since you're the one handling it, you're in control of how much. We're all aware that to society as a whole, a lot of the stuff that we're into is is taboo. BDSM is is still taboo, much less now than ever before, but it is still taboo. So then this is a Hitachi wand. It's like a bullet vibrator, only like 15 times the size. And if especially if you're part of the community, we foster such a strong sense of acceptance where it's like, okay, well, just because somebody likes something that you don't doesn't make them weird. I guess it kind of abolishes the concept of normalcy. Somebody gave me a book about blowjobs, <laughs> and it's actually really good. There is no normal. Um, you'll notice that the buckles have little loops through them, and that's so you can put, like, little locks on it. Not that I would ever try to get out of them anyways, because then I'd probably get punished. So normal is just a matter of frequency, if you think about it. 
Just because one thing is less frequent than another doesn't make it weird. This thing is my favorite. This is a flogger. It kind of looks like a broom, but instead of the broom having little bristly things, it's just strips of leather. Why do you think there is sort of a temptation to police people's pleasure? I think it, it really boils down to people don't like what they don't understand. And a lot of people don't like different. People don't like change in a lot of cases. And so, you know, it's it's really easy to belittle or degrade something that you don't understand or or that you feel is a threat to you, the way that you think things should be done. And, this, you know, and even though our generation is a, bit, a lot more accepting with homosexuality as an example, I think it really boils down to what you've been exposed to. It's 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 really a form of ignorance, I think. I don't even know what's in this bag. Oh, so every once in a while, like if I'm going to go to a threesome or something, because I'm I tend to be really girly, I like to make little gift bags. Wow. Um, and so like there's in here, there's some just, like random stuff, like little like lube things and uh, like, little bullet vibrators just for shits and giggles. Variety is what makes things beautiful. If there was no variety, things would be very boring. If it makes somebody happy and, and fulfills them, that's awesome. Because being fulfilled and being happy is great, and I want everybody, everyone to be fulfilled and happy. For American Student Radio, I'm Sarah Panfill.